Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production compared to its original source material and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. On... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year a Cleveland baseball player named Albert Bell hit a Sports Illustrated photographer during the pregame because the photographer was getting too close to his face. And that's why Bell threw the ball, just to, to tell the photographer, get away. And uh, he doesn't traditionally play well with others, this Bell. Um, so that was not out of character for him. Oh my god, that was that was that was that's really good because I, I had like three different moments in this movie <laughs> that connected to that. <laughs> yeah, this one was a gold mine. I was like, thank you. You might say this one was a home run. Oh, oh. oh. is there a baseball in this movie? <laughs> there's a ton, but there's no bad news about the people who are playing in this game. Or maybe there's a little bad news. Uh, because today we are back with a calendar man special. Um and Calendar Man wanted us to celebrate the Papas and the Papas Papas and the Papas Papas Papas, as Andre 3000 might say. <laughs> as we were discussing the movie today, Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. Um, just going to say right now, this is the first time I think that we've had a Batman Superman movie where Batman had the uh, the headlining title card here, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually, I, I always, when I'm online looking for Batman... Superman public enemies. I always do it like that and I can never find it because it's the reverse. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> yeah, so now before we start, uh we must share that we are um this movie is PG-13. So even though this is a Calendar Man special honoring the fathers out there for Father's Day, also quick happy Father's Day to to as we mentioned, um whether you are a pops a papa a father a dad um a bonus dad whatever you may call yourself if you're doing right by kids next to you you're okay with us uh so this one this movie is pg-13 and that means that we'll try our best to hold back on the adult themes though i do believe there's like one or two moments in this film that made me question is that is rating <laughs> pg-13 <laughs> pg-13 um but yeah, we are. But obviously, we're not here to um, share how to become a father in the bi biological sense. We are just going to make sure that we are keeping it PG thirteen with this twenty twenty two anime. <laughs> that is not for us to teach here. <laughs> That's a different podcast. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the runtime of seventy nine minutes, we're not going to discuss any of that. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this 2022 animated standalone film from DC uh, Entertainment. This is actually the 49th animated film in oh. DC animated films, and just in general. 
So I guess we'll have to do 50 one of these days if yeah. we haven't already. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, the in this 2022 film is directed by Matt Peters, a uh, name we'll remember, actually, as the director of Justice League Dark Apocalypse War hey. and Injustice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, two, two sides of coin here. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the screenplay it was written by Jeremy Adams, um, who also wrote the previous movie we covered here, Batman Soul of the Dragon. And also quick shout out to the writers, because you should be paid for your appropriate wages. So just let yes. y'all know that. Yes, you put in as many stinks as you want as long as you get paid. Yes. <laughs> uh, the animation services for this movie was done by Studio MIR, so they provided such animation for The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, Voltron, Legendary Defender, Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast, Legend of Korra, and recently an episode of Star Wars Vision Season 2. Um, so one, you can also check out that Star Wars Vision content over on our yet another Star Wars podcast page for Forgotten Entertainment. But also, if you want to check out any of these shows, I highly recommend them if you are a dad looking for a show to watch with your kids at some point. And I will say that episode is pretty darn good of Star Wars Visions, but they can unpack it on the other channel. But I can say for here, it's a pretty good episode. I still have to watch it, actually. I, that's that's my homework. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, next up, we got our cast list. This is going to be a pretty short cast list, be mainly because they do focus on just a couple of characters here really quickly. We have Jack Dylan Grazier, who is also Freddie Freeman from the Shazam movies. R.I.P. Shazam franchise. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack is keeping his DC visions alive as the uh, voice of the first half of our Super Sons team as Jonathan Kent, a.k.a. Superboy. We got Jack Griffo, who is playing the more violent half of the Super Sons team as Damian Wayne. But you might also remember Jack as a former Nickelodeon Thunderman on that show. I think that came out like, was it like late 2010s, which is weird to say. Yeah, definitely a time where we were focused on college. Yeah. <laughs> <instead> of... <laughs> Next up, we got Laura Bailey with a resume longer than most within the DC, Marvel, anime and critical role universes. Uh, she's putting her kids' trunk persona aside for a bit, and she is now playing Supermom Lois Lane. Uh, next up, we got to always make sure to highlight our voice actors of color, as we have Zeno Robinson, who is doing his thing in Eastern and Western animation. Uh, you'll know his voice as Hawks from My Hero Academia, but today he is giving the voice of Jimmy Olsen. It's a small role, but you know what? Big things are doing to him. No small roles, only small actors. That's very true. I take back my previous comment. You're very right. <laughs> And finally, we have our super dads today, as we have Troy Baker and Travis Willingham, who are voicing Batman and Superman, uh, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, respectively. All right. And with that, it is time to boom tube over to the beginning of Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. And let me tell you, this this opens up like you've never seen a movie before in the DC universe, because <laughs> wait a minute, wait for it. This opens up. With the destruction of Krypton. <laughs> Off the bat, that is actually something I felt. I was just like, how many times have I seen this place get destroyed? <laughs> yeah, it's this this uh, it's a sticking point for, for me personally, because we just just saw this mm -hmm. in 
Super Pets. <laughs> we just saw this in Super Pets <laughs> a year ago. So I would think they would try to do something a little different, spice it up anyway. But I won't even bother going into the beginning because you've seen it. Superman's plan blows up. He gets put on a rocket to come back to Earth. You know, you know mm-hmm. how this goes. The only little wrinkle, and I'll I'll get into this a little bit later, but we see a a starro parasite t- attached to the rocket. It hitches a ride to Earth, but falls off in the atmosphere in space somewhere due to um, just the, the hyper speed of the rocket. Does that bring into question, oh, how, is that even the same Starro from the planet Krypton that is the villain later? Yes. Will it get an answer? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because right now, we got to watch a montage of Superman growing up and seeing his parents die. Oh, yeah. This was, damn, this was... <laughs> dark (laughs) because it's not even like a you know you get like a ton of happy scenes it starts off with like little baby clark kent he's walking learning how to walk um and then we immediately jump into our next scene in which is just like he's a teenager he can't play football because of course he'll break a collarbone of somebody else if he got tackled them too hard um he becomes a hero his parents die he's standing over their graves and then he meets Lois, they get married, um, and then we see that he has his own son, little Jonathan Kent here, who was born. Um, we immediately now jump into the more, it's a very nice opening scene, because I do like the fact that it's like a, done in a motion comic, even though it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, but we do see now that we're into our speaking role, where Jonathan Kent, he's in the Smallville um, Kent farm home. Um, he's questioning basically just like the existence of homework, which obviously I will honestly say this. I've also questioned that when I was younger, so I don't blame him for questioning that, but he's also upset about the fact that he has to do some kind of report on reporters because he's doing a report on his parents. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I I need to talk to the teacher about the curriculum and the syllabus about this one. (laughs) Yeah, he's basically complaining that his parents are both reporters and making money and providing for him. Yeah. Um, terrible. But, and a large <laughs> space of land, too. Ah, it's terrible. <laughs> but to get him back on track, Lois throws out some inspirational uh, things about reporting and kind of how she's broken it down. She says, reporting is like fighting a boss in a video game. You got to find the weak spot, the, the, the weak spot on the Colossus or whatever you're fighting. Um, find your angle. Most stories, we know the ending. So what's more interesting to see is how we got there, mm-hmm. which is similar. If you've seen Sorrow, you know how this is going to end. So it's <laughs> this is it's a it's a kind of meta for the movie, because is it, you know, the question of is it interesting how they get there? Oh, um, so after she gives this really inspirational speech to him, he she throws out, oh, that's, you know, this. They're good parents, but he, of course, says they're boring, making it clear he does not know that his dad is Superman, which he should, because after he goes home looking for presents and finds a super suit, the most jacked individual in this universe shows up. (laughs) Yo, can I just say that it's not even that he was the most jacked. He walked in and his head almost touched the ceiling. How tall is Superman in this universe? Exactly. It's like in Incredibles, it's funny because even though Mr. Incredible is stacked, 
he's kind of realistic proportions, you know. Mm-hmm. But Superman, come on. I would know my dad was Superman just by accident. <laughs> We're also pretty sure that that shirt that he was wearing was like an extra large, but it was still tight on him for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> they don't make them any. They don't make them any bigger. <laughs> my man was in the big and tall section, found the biggest one and still could not fit how jacked he was. Oh, my gosh. OK, um, before we fawn over Superman even more. So. <laughs> Um, Clark bring, tells him that um, he was away on a reporting gig in which they were covering something about ants. Um, they are talking about how the ants are now acting involuntary of the queen. So they were just trying to, he was writing a report on that. Obviously, no one wants to hear that, especially John, because he cares more about the fact that it's his birthday coming up soon. Um, also that, uh, there's a baseball game that he's going to be participating in that that he really wants his dad to be a part of. But Clark says, before we can even talk about all that, we have to go and start doing your chores as we get a little montage of them having some good father son time doing chores. Clearly again, because of the fact that Clark does, hasn't shared that he is Superman, he's adding a little extra help here and there. Like, I don't know why Jonathan Kent thought he could lift. What was it four bales of hay that was yeah. twice his height? <laughs> he can't lift, bro. He can't. <laughs> but I, I will give credit to Superman because look, Superman could have all these chores done in fifteen minutes, mm. like probably even faster. But he's making his son do them, and I like that because it's giving his son work ethic, making him do something that he absolutely does not have to do because his father is damn <laughs> Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Is he a black father? That's the question. (laughs) Spoiler, the answer is yes. (laughs) So we jump into our next scene, which is a nice touching scene where um, Clark and John are sitting on some hay there. And as they're just talking about life, um, not the birds and the bees, they're just actually just talking about life. Uh, (laughs) They Clark sees in the distance that there is some kind of meteor or something, uh, some kind of unidentified falling object heading towards Earth. So he says that he has to go and quickly run an errand. His mother will be back. And he immediately takes off before wishing, after wishing his son a quick happy birthday to go and catch the falling watchtower. Yeah, this was a nice little... Nice old uh, unexpected surprise because it's uh, you're expecting meteor. It's so typical. But the watchtower falling, it's like, whoa. All right. Let's see what's going on. And he gets up in the space, easily stops it, pulls up and green arrows is waiting in there. And he's like, oh, yeah, some debris hit it. Um, something's off. And Soup's like, love to stay in chat, Green Arrow, but we put you up here for a reason. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Like <laughs> Green Arrow. Oh, we're going to send him his face again? Yeah, do it. <laughs> um, but he is about a tsunami, so he goes to take care of that. But while Superman is taking care of that, Green Arrow hears a noise. He walks around the tower. And come on, no respect on Green Arrow's name, because this man gets clowned by a starfish, man. <laughs> His re- You telling me Green Arrow arrows can't shoot an arrow faster than a starfish? God, oh, that, that one was kind of... <laughs> Just so ridiculous. <laughs> no respect. No respect. None. Um, so now that we have this 
threat coming our way. We have to talk about the biggest threat of all, which is that there is a bully who is picking on John Kent as he is at the baseball game. John has come up to the bat as we hear some, how are we going to qualify this? Is this clever wordplay or is this like, my man, you need to go to an improv class because this was not good? I mean, Kent hit Kent. That's a, that's a good, some good alliteration. I'll, yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow okay. it. Okay. Okay. Allowed. All right. So Melvin, the bully, uh, you get one pass so far. Um, but he is commenting on the fact that Jonathan is uh, obviously can't hit the baseball as um, we see off in the distance as well, that Lois is present for the game. However, Clark isn't. So already Clark has one strike against him as a, I don't know, like a good dad, I guess. But then again, he also is trying to go out there, save the world. (laughs) So then as we see that, unfortunately, Jonathan strikes out, um, it seems like Jonathan's just ready to quit baseball here as he heads home defeated. As, um, And as they are in their house now, Clark finally appears. Um, He is talking to Lois saying, hey, I just I'm sorry. Something came up. And, you know, I do like this one scene in which it very much reminds me of what we see for in um, Superman and Lois, where it's just Mm. like this very strong understanding that Lois knows is like, hey, I know you're Superman. It's no problem for me. There's you know, I am one person compared to millions and billions of people out in the world that you're saving every day. I know you got my back, but. At this moment, right here and now, the person who really needs you to be present is your son. So Clark heads on up to go out, go and try to talk to Jonathan about, you know, I'm sorry that I missed your game. Um, really just wanted to apologize for that. Something came up from work. And Jonathan lets him have it. He's uh, quite upset. So Cl- Clark tries to repair the relationship between them, but John is just too angry. He can't handle this. So he sneaks out of the house. And while he's so distressed over his dad's missing that baseball game, he lasers um, through the cornfield, destroying months of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after John says, oh, I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. Um, <laughs> what am I doing here? Superman flies in with his glasses on and reveals, hey, dad. Hey, look, you have a super dad because I am Superman. And this kind of instantly turns John around. Uh, He is just so excited. He's talking about being a superhero. He's trying to test if he can jump down the stairs. Lois is commenting, if he gets x-ray vision, we can't send him to school. Um, Which is... PG-13? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And... He, I'm a little mixed on this because in on one hand, it, it it is pretty fairly realistic that if you found out your dad was a superhero, you'd probably be pretty cool with it. But uh, because it's such a 180 from where he was in the previous scene, it does come off as very abrupt. Mm-hmm. Like they took him a little bit too far in the previous scene for him to be instantly like, Oh, I'm cool with this all of a sudden. They need him to be for the rest of the movie to happen. But <laughs> he <laughs> he does turn around a little bit quickly for me personally. Maybe I'm spoiled by Superman and Lois, but what do you think? <laughs> no, I agree. I thought that there was um and this is like a slight problem I did have with this movie where it's just like a lot of Jonathan's um uh, emotions and reactions do spend tend to kind of like flip very quickly. 
and granted, some of it might be just be like he's ten years old or, or eleven. I don't know how old he. I think he's like ten or eleven in the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of it does seem like it's not really given proper consideration at times. Like again, I hundred percent agree with that whole scene. It's just like he is legit bawling in the farm. I don't know what you call it, the barnyard. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's legit bawling in there on some hay, and it's like a very sad scene when it's just like this almost the same lump of hay was being used to show us that like Clark is such a loving father meanwhile it's now shown that like he isn't there's a strong distance between the two of them so when John goes immediately into crying out my eyes here into my dad is Superman let me see if I can fly and like literally is about to rack up a hospital bill because he keeps throwing himself off the stairs (laughs) it's too sudden of a shift um Especially because now we have to deal with the fact that it's just like if he's developed uh X I'm not X-ray vision, there let's hope he develop <laughs> X-ray vision. Um he develops heat vision and what looked like a bit of super speed at one point. This causes Clark to decide that he needs to take him someplace where they can test out all of his Kryptonian abilities, you know, the best place that he could think of, the fortress of Batman's cave. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this was another interesting choice that instead of going to the Fortress of Solitude to check out uh, Jonathan's life readings, to get scientific readings, mind you, specifically, Mm -hmm. he decides to go to Gotham. And when they get there, Batman is in the middle of just beating Penguin down, uh, beats these dudes up savagely while Superman just watches, which is kind of funny. And... After dropping on the roof, and I guess we don't care about secret identities because John is wearing no face protection whatsoever. It's very obvious that this boy is being carried by Superman. And they decide to go over to the cave where we get our first introduction of Damien. This also was an interesting choice, I felt, because I was curious as to why Damien wasn't fighting with Batman in that scene. Why was Damien just hanging around in the cave while Batman mind you, it's only two goons so that's just kind of yeah. like a, a yoga warm up for Batman. But I did wonder <laughs> why Damien wasn't out there with him. I I believe it's because this is taking place very early on in their relationship. So it seems like because as it comes up as Batman and Superman are talking amongst each other, and we'll talk about Superboy and Robin's, their own conversation, but a lot of the conversation that happens between these two is the fact that um, how do they handle their sons, given the fact that, like, hey, they probably have all this power, and to be honest, maybe even be more powerful than I am, or more killer-like than I am, which is what happens with Damien here, because a lot of it is just Batman saying, he was raised by his his mother, who, as you know, for, is Talia al Ghul, and also had a strong presence of his grandfather, Ra's al Ghul. So I'm assuming that this is still very early on in their relationship, where maybe it's like, which is weird, because I think we've also been, um, we, we've also been spoiled by what we saw in um, Son of Batman, where it was a lot it was a bit of time before Damien actually put on the Robin costume. Mm-hmm. And it was already after we saw him out in the field. 
um and we assume that him putting on the robin costume would mean that he's already actively being robin but batman seems to be okay with him wearing the robin costume while changing a tire on the bat i don't it's really weird yeah exactly it would have made a lot more sense if he hadn't been granted the robin costume yet and kind of like I'll talk about this later about contrast, uh, just to earmark it about costumes and contrast between mm-hmm. these two. But yeah, that there's some choices there that I was curious about. But we'll we'll get into it uh, because right now Damien is trying to steal the movie because he shows up immediately on site is like, by the way, I have kryptonite. <laughs> just drops that <laughs> casually. I love he called the you know what the night and I was just like yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Superman that, that would not be cool with this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and upon hearing that John's powers activate with stress, Damien pushes John over the ledge, uh, over a high ledge in the Batcave. And John nearly dies, <laughs> but Damien is unbothered and even goes as far to throw a batarang at John's face and test his durability. Um, despite all of this, the, the dads let the sons hang out by themselves <laughs> while they talk about Green Arrow because in the wake of the attack, they haven't been able to contact Green Arrow. Uh, so they're a little bit concerned about that and they want to go check it out. And then here we get cut back to the boys where Damien is having a little membership issue with the Titans. Yeah, I do. I did like seeing this, especially because it helps set up something for just like a conflict for both of them for day for for jonathan a lot of it's just like he's new to this world uh he's new to this world he doesn't know anything about superheroes besides being just a fan of them like the kid only had a batman poster in his room and was just excited just to meet batman for and it also seemed like maybe he just didn't know his place in the world while Damien, who is also very similarly, doesn't know his place in this new world because he's coming from the world of the League of Shadows, League of Assassins, he's trying to find friends. And obviously, no one wants to be his friend because, let's be honest, uh, Batman had more than one son that was a dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <Thank> you. <laughs> so Damien, while having this conversation with Wonder Girl, which is I'm actually kind of glad that they introduced her into this animated film because I don't think we ever get a chance to see one of the girl in animated productions as much except for Young Justice. Um, Jonathan overhears the conversation and realizes that, you know, Damien doesn't really have much that he can connect with. So um, he tries to lend a hand in terms of just like just to offer a kind hand of friendship. This immediately gets interrupted by the greatest superhero of all time. Bat Cow. Yes, Bat Cow is here finally, guys. Mm-hmm. They were they disrespected Bat Cow by not putting in Super Pets, mm-hmm. but no more. Don't worry. Bat Cow is here. And immediately John uses his powers to detect that his farm boy powers to be specific, that the Bat Cow needs to be milked. But Damien refuses the request. Kind of weird. Also gets a like a weird bit where he off screen John milks the cow and leaves Batman with a bucket of milk. Also, quick thing about that unpasteurized. The, um, <laughs> yeah. 
quick thing about that too. The um, I need to talk about, and it's a running joke that comes up in which um, Jonathan keeps bringing up the fact that like everything is like bat related. So the bat computer, the bat mobile, <laughs> um, the bat cow gave milk milk in a bucket that had a bat logo. So now I have to question: Is there a bat bucket? Um, I think Alfred he Alfred insisted upon it. You know, I think it was kind of a like sarcastic thing request to see how far he would take the theming. And uh, <laughs> Alfred was horrified when Bruce ordered 50 of them. I assume it's to mop up the blood from like vigilante things, the bat bucket. Why would you need that branded? I guess in case you have visitors. I don't know. <laughs> I also want to know where he gets them from. Is he like single handedly bankrolling Etsy small business creators or like? <laughs> I mean, it would be affordable at this point. You know, you're right. <laughs> uh, but after getting the, the milk he should not drink, uh, we go back to Superman's home where John is falling asleep. He's very excited, but he's had a long day as a superhero son. And Lois reveals something's going on in Central and South America because they have zero crime. <laughs> zero crime. It's like... Whatever you thought there could be, that shit don't. I mean, whoop. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that don't happen there. <laughs> Not even a purse stolen. They said <laughs> no one's pirating Black Adam. Nothing is happening there. Batman is walking around very solemn because he's just like, no one, no one's collarbone that I can break for stealing a knife. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a fun. We'll get into that later. <laughs> So Superman and Batman decide, okay, this started at the Watchtower. Let's go check it out. I do the hilarity of Superman probably had to wait for Batman to break the atmosphere in his <laughs> rocket before he could go up to. I just think that's an hilarious image of Batman in his jet and Superman's flying really slow. He's like, uh, we could be, <laughs> we could already be there. Let me just push it. Let me push it, Batman. And Batman's, like, Batman's no. like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I used the bat rockets. Uh, so as soon as they get in there Superman senses something is off but Martian Manhunter surprises him they I uh, was a little upset that they didn't use Martian Manhunter's invisibility to surprise Superman instead of just like he was fast which I mean mm. he's fast but he's not that fast and uh, so after we get a after that we get a hard cut down to Earth again, where now John is dealing with Melvin. At, now he's wearing the glasses, he's wearing the Superman hoodie, and now Melvin decided to step to him. I do appreciate the fact that John just decided to wear his full-on super suit to school. <laughs> <laughs> and according to him, which will come up later on, he was just like, I was a fan even before. <laughs> um but as Melvin comes up, he's once again complaining about can't hit, can't, or um, was it uh, Clark can't hit? Yeah. <laughs> one of those, one works, one does it. Um, so as he's complaining about them, he suggests that, like, you know, obviously the only reason why I'm not on the team is because I don't get good grades. <laughs> And only nerds are on the baseball team. So which his friend is just like, yeah, but wait, I'm also on the team. 
They got Sam Jackson from Coach Carter on this, <laughs> trying to improve the team. <laughs> so as they're fighting about it, um, Jonathan doesn't know what to do as he puts out his hand to try and block Melvin from attacking him any further. This leads to Melvin just basically getting mushed in the face and falling a couple feet away from Superboy now. Uh, so this is where he's where Jonathan's like, oh my gosh, my super strength came in. And this calls in the crowd. Um, in the distance, he heard the faint cry of someone yelling, star. <laughs> um, but this was a pretty quick fight because as soon as Melvin got back up, he basically punched Jonathan in the face so hard that I'm pretty sure he broke his glasses. Uh, I would. A hundred percent. Yeah, because guess what? It does not come with invulnerability at the same time. So mm-hmm. as now we cut to Damien, who's just hanging in the cave, brainstorming on attacking Titan's tower. Yes, that is a real thing. Uh, Batman shows up for trying to infect him with the Starro parasite, but Robin quickly counters, saying he learned how to not be snuck up on in a crib. Respect, respect. <laughs> so he is able to fend off Batman for about two seconds before reality kicks in, and Batman throws Damien <laughs> off a high place, fitting because Damien did the same thing to John. Upon Using a grapple line to get back up, Damien looks at the world, looks at the Justice League, and we get this we get the sense that, oh, by the way, pretty much all the other big heroes in the, the world are taken over. And since we're doing Young Justice in the invasion season, highly ironic that Blue Beetle gets taken over by Starro. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Hi, <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Stay away. <laughs> they did not treat him right in this movie. I feel like just the Beatle alone be like, hi, man, this is not compute. We need to we need to just kill on sight. <laughs> it's like, that's it. We're killing on sight from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many times the Blue Beetle has actually been upset with any moves that Jaime does. Like, what's the extent? So like, during the test, he's like, it should have been B, not A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we'll never know because he's not in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this talks for another episode of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. But upon realizing that Jonathan Kent is the only person not taken over, he decides to make his way towards him as John Kent deals with the principal. Yes, uh, the principal who is voiced by, I believe, Tom Kenny, a.k.a. the voice of SpongeBob. So that is a full SpongeBob, Starfish, Patrick Starfish reference that I'm just going to try to make there. Was Tom Kenny Penguin earlier as well? Tom Kenny was Penguin, yep. (laughs) 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 Um, So the principal is having a very short conversation with uh, Jonathan, let him know that his actions, they were too far. And, you know, obviously we're on John's side here, but unfortunately, because of the fact that he threw hands, he's equally responsible at a point. Um, to the point where John is just saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I promise I'll do better. And even the principal even says that, like, I called your mom and your mom says that, like, I promise you he'll never do this again because I'll have a stern talking to with him. And honestly, I'm afraid for this boy. <laughs> like, like Superman, with all his powers, I don't think is a could take down, could like, handle parenting the way that Lois Lane was probably to handle parenting. <laughs> Yeah, and especially now, because just as Damien shows up, 
uh, into the building. I do have to mention this little quick interlude that uh, when Damien meets John in the building, Melvin tries to step to Damien and Damien hits a pressure point so that Melvin is paralyzed for a week. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> stop being the best character. And <laughs> Lois walks into the building and instantly Damien throws John against the locker to let, because he's like, your mom's being controlled. Weird, weird way to approach that situation. And after t- giving her a test, Lois decides to just reveal she's been taken over, runs full speed at at John and Damien. So they go on a jet that Damien is cleared to fly. And <laughs> just they think they're going to get away. Lois jumps on top of the jet. Yeah, this is uh, scary because it's not even like one of those cases where, you know, you try to run away from your mom as she's coming at you with a belt or a switch uh no because she's coming with him at full starro speed uh as damien's trying to tell him that like hey i have done 90 percent of the work here can you do something jonathan which he does accomplish by um well using his heat vision to take out his mom or rather hit her in the face as the star that was on her face um fortunately no one was seriously injured. At least we think so, because upon hitting her in the face with the heat vision, Lois falls like at least like 10 feet into a body of water, which leads into the Starro creature, I believe, dying um, because it falls off of her face or comes out of her mm-hmm. body and her mouth, kind of very much like Alien. And she coughs it up as she's just looking off in the distance as She's just hoping it's clear now she's back to herself and she's like hoping now that Jonathan is okay, knowing that he is with Damien and heading over to who knows where. Thank God she didn't die from the impact of that fall. <laughs> you know, I have questioned that so many times. I was like, how deep is that water? Because she swam, she swam back up pretty quickly. Yeah. Don't, maybe she's an Olympic athlete as well. <laughs> so now they're trying to figure out what their next move is. So Damien decides, he reveals that he has a little sample of the Starro Parasite. He's This guy's incredible. Mm-hmm. And he decides they need to fly to the Fortress of Solitude, whose security system includes a big key. That's it. It's just a giant <laughs> key. So if you have super strength, you're in there, baby. But the thing is, if even if you have super strength, once you get inside, you have to deal with Crypto the Superdog, played by The Rock again if I'm not mistaken. I do believe so. Or it could have been Vin Diesel. He has been, the two of them have been competing for a while. That's true. Maybe Vin Diesel wanted a shot at playing crypto. And this is a movie about family. That That's true. It's all mm-hmm. about family. Uh, so <laughs> this leads into uh, a very harrowing scene where John and Damien are running through the entire Fortress of Solitude as um, they try to get away from crypto at the same time, Lois is um, trying to figure out, she's back in Metropolis, uh, trying to figure out who might else be infected by these Starro devices. So she finds Jimmy, who she pulls into a closet, uh, another moment of adult things um, that I'm just going to quickly just say, glance over because it was a weird comment. Uh, <laughs> but she pulls a pair of scissors and demands for Jimmy to open his mouth 
so that she can see if a Starro creature will pop out. It's weird that Jimmy's unfazed by this. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I was like, okay. Because after that scene, he doesn't unpack it. He's not like, Lois, what the hell was that? No, he's just like, okay, Lois, I'll yeah. help you. My man's been through some things. I clearly. <laughs> um so Jimmy gets him gives her the idea to if you need to bring it to the broadcast, you need to talk to the president. So if she gets goes to do that, I guess. Yeah, uh, has the president on speed dial. <laughs> yeah, and don't worry about timing in this movie. They, they don't. Uh, so uh, <laughs> they back at the Fortress of Solitude, Damien and John, knowing they have to go to space, get into Clark's baby ship, which I think is a really creative idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because after talking to John's grandfather, Digital Consciousness, they which I'm uh, not calling chat GPT Jarrell. Yeah, chat GPT. <laughs> oh, I love that. Chat GPT Jarrell gives them just tells them, uh, we were studying this, and uh I guess we shouldn't have been because it's <laughs> to go about to take over your world. So Damien and John get in the Clark's uh baby ship, and that apparently has a stealth mode, which is a cool little detail, though. I will but admit for what. <laughs> I, because I'm guessing the idea is that so no one messes with Clark on the way to Earth, that it has a stealth mode, so he's not like picked up by a random. So it's a cool con. They don't. Have, I filled that in myself. I have no mm. idea if that was the intention. So um, they saw they saw Guardians of the Galaxy and was just like, we can't have another Star Lord, <laughs> right? Gonna, okay, got it, got it. Um, so. While Damien is brainstorming the cucumber sandwiches they're going to get after they uh, they finish their mission, Lois pulls up to the president, which is Lothor. It's it's President Luthor. Uh, <laughs> and I I don't know what to say to you guys. It's, it's Luthor. He's, he's doing it. Um, and he agrees to get the message out to the world if she endorses him in the next election. So there you go. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about that section except that. <laughs> well, we could talk about instead about the fact that um Jonathan and Damien make their way up to the watchtower. Uh this is where they come face to face with many of the possessed members of the Justice League and the Teen Titans. Uh the, there's just a lot of great scenes here, including the darkest of all, where um as it looks like there's nothing that they can do, Jonathan and Damien have to figure out a way to try to save everybody, but they come face-to-face with the world's greatest archer, Green Arrow, who immediately on site sends an arrow towards Damien's way. But Jonathan, because of the good-natured, heart-of-gold person that he has become at the age of 10 years old, decides today's the day that I die. <laughs> it's a running theme of this third act. Everyone's it really is. <laughs> a little too ready to die. <laughs> I lived a good life. My man, you 10. <laughs> yes. So now we get a point where after jumping in front of the arrow, it's revealed that John just gained uh, a new power, which is invulnerability. Mm-hmm. So he is now... I guess again it is a good tie-in to the stress point. So 
He gets he is unaffected by the arrow, leaving Damien free and clear to punch Arrow right in the face. Just <laughs> knock him out instantly. Again, no respect to Green Arrow in this movie for some reason. Uh, I mean, you they don't know what. what I... <laughs> get what you get, man. Like, <laughs> mess around, you find out. Like, I'm just saying. Oliver Queen did not become the specter to get this disrespect. All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so after, but. They decide to all take a break from the fight to watch a newscast. I'm not exaggerating. They stop the fight <laughs> just to look at the newscast where Luther reveals that he's been possessed by Starro because Starro possessed no crime. He promised no crime, no poverty. Honestly, it sounds pretty good. I, I, I you know, I, I would like to hear more details about the proposal before we sign off on it. I mean, the worst thing that it is, is just like you just have to wear a star on your face. And honestly, how is that any different for wearing like a big ass Apple Watch on your wrist or something? I don't know. All hail the Starros, man. Right? You know, if we can sit around and no poverty and play play the new Spider-Man 2, not sponsored. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Uh, unless they make them all get Xboxes. Uh, anyway. Oh, dang. <laughs> you know that's actually possible because he looks kind of like an X. Yeah, he's like official mm. consoles. Xbox. Damn it! All right, mm. take him off. Take him off. <laughs> so, upon realizing that Luthor is brainwashed, Lois uses her hairspray and a lighter to burn the star on his face. Realistically, she would have not been allowed into the Oval Office with those two objects. Yeah, but she does admit that she knew he was possessed once she he took the meeting. So. A little leeway there, but realistically, no, you're not getting into the White House <laughs> with a lighter. It's not happening. So now we get a series of fights, and there are a couple highlights here. Uh, Kid Flash absolutely destroying Damien for a minute. We get a T Rex Beast Boy with a Starro on his head, uh, which I think is a really fun image. And uh, John actually handling Martian Manhunter. So, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Mm hmm. And as they're able to take down everybody, um, this leads into them trying to figure out because during the broadcast, we're able to see that Lois is able to cut it and share the thing that Starro is most vulnerable to, which is heat. So we got so so far he's doing wonders against our boys Aqualad, <laughs> the Calder, and any any Aquarian kind of hero <laughs> or villain so i mean as a starfish why not um this leads into the uh jonathan just unleashing a lot of his heat vision onto a lot of areas uh this also leads into him being able to finally take down everybody but then lead into our biggest battle of all as our super sons here have to face off against the world's finest as their fathers come out of the shadows to give them the whooping that I guess they should have caught up on in some scenes, because let's be honest, uh, Damien has been acting like a baby's kid at certain points. So this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'll give Damien this. All right. He at one point he says, this isn't working fighting our parents. Let's go with the Psycho Ranger rules where we switch up the colors <laughs> on them and fight different opponents. And look, Damien is amazing. What is he doing against Superman? Realistically, absolutely damn nothing. No. I I have to just throw that out here. There's no He's not just Adams after this battle. <laughs> but 
using a kryptonite kryptonite ring, he's able to evil level the playing field. Meanwhile, Batman is over here dodging Jonathan Kent's lasers. Bro, reaction time, crazy. And through their combined efforts, they're able to take out their respective fathers. And Starro, that's when he decides in all his big glory to show up. Um, John tries laser beams, but he ain't hot enough. Mm-mm. So upon this, now that they're cornered by Starro and there's nothing they can do, Starro lets them walk out of the room calmly and so they can send their parents home. Yeah, so <laughs> this is tough. This is a tough scene. Um, but they do realize that there is something that they can do as they pack up the heroes into everything. Um, of course, they made sure to leave the kryptonite ring next to Superman so that he wouldn't like wake back up before Starro kind of came at them. But they realize that they can set up the watchtower to basically explode in a way. And mm-hmm. that should give enough heat to take out the enlarged Starro that is now worming its way through the entire watchtower. So as they start setting up the the heroes to be evacuated out of the spaceship and they turn on the heat, this is when they finally get the upper hand against Starro. As we see a very traumatic scene, which again, I think I don't think this is PG-13 anymore at this point, where every single person who is who has a Starro creature on their face, the eyes of Starro start to explode. Yes, yeah, kind of like Aya Sauron kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, this is also a very weird climax because as Starro is burning up in the atmosphere, crisping nicely, the boys are talking about like accepting death. Yeah. Like Damien's like, oh yeah, I was already ready to die. I thought ninjas would do it, but uh this is dying on a satellite is not what I expected. And John's strangely chill with it, even though he'd probably survive because he has Superman's durability at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, which weird they don't acknowledge that at all. But luckily, <laughs> Starro's breaking the break on the hold of all the heroes allows Superman to free himself, fly up to space, and instantly stop what was remaining of the watchtower to to stop crashing. So he gathers up the sons. Now that the father's just having a nice moment together, Starro decides to pop up one more time and say, hey, I'm the big bad of this movie. What y'all about to do to me? And the answer was put in the work because fathers and sons band together as Batman and Robin throw explosive batterings. They're very tiny compared to this very large creature, which looks like, honestly, the final villain in every single Power Rangers production. Um <laughs> They throw some batarangs at them and it explodes. This gives Superman an opportunity to swoop in, give a one-two punch, grab it by one of the arms, and spins it around in enough times to lob it up as a softball and sends it over to Jonathan so that he can grab a tree. And in a nice little callback to an earlier scene, we get a chance to see a father see his son hit a home run. <laughs> now I'll come to your game, son. Yeah, uh, <laughs> can't hit, can't more like always hit. That doesn't work. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> so now Superboy has won the day. Starro is dead. And 
now we go, we end near where we began at a baseball game. Um, our sister mentioned the Titans tr and try to invite Damien to join the squad. But Damien says, nah, I'm good at the moment. I'm watching this baseball game. So in civilian wear, Damien casually paralyzes the bully once more. <laughs> and as Jonathan bunts, gets like a bunt home run, have to acknowledge <laughs> it. Like it's a, it's like something I saw on like MLB Slugfest that you can do. <laughs> and also let's acknowledge he's cheating, right? Yes. He's like, he's cheating. He shouldn't be playing this game anymore. Uh, so after he unfairly wins the game and poisons the entire league. Um, <laughs> Full on asterisk. That's their record right now. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the final scene between Damien and John. And it's a nice scene. They're both on top of a water tower in Smallville. Uh, they're talking about just, you know, being friends and hoping to band together one more time at some point in the future. Um, you know, they're also contemplating like what would their team up names be? And they're like, it could be the dynamic duo, as Jonathan said, but Damien shares that nah, that name's already taken. If anything, we're the super sons. As we watch the sunset, Damien says, but there's still one more thing that we need to do, which makes Jonathan question what that is. Is it another baseball game? Is it Starro still around? Is it homework? No. <laughs> It is Damien once again pushing Jonathan off the water tower and confirming for us all that Jonathan once again still cannot fly. <laughs> Just rubbing it in. Mm -hmm. All right. And that wraps up our movie, Battle of the Super Sons. So while we go and pick up Jonathan off the ground, because I'm hoping at this point my man has not broken any bones. Uh, <laughs> This is we're gonna leave you with a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. All right, so Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons for our Calendar Demand Day special for Father's Day. Um, what did you think about this film, Andrew? Is it as sweet as, like, I don't know, some candy or food at a Smallville farmer's market? Or is it as sour as a starro to the face? <laughs> I didn't know we were bringing back the sweet and sour for this one. <laughs> we, I figured both. I figured obviously rankings, but I just felt that called yeah. out to me. <laughs> so for here, this I may be spoiled, but this is a it's it's kind of a sour for me. Mm. Uh, there there are definitely moments of sweetness in this movie. I think the fight scenes are overall great the the one-on-ones and it is 
actually noticeable now looking rewatching is my second time watching it how little fight scenes there actually are in this movie um because the, the ones that are done are done well but there aren't, aren't too many when you actually go back and look at them and large stretches of the movie do not have fights at all which uh is something noticeable but uh my big thing about this movie is contrast mm-hmm. and Batman and Superman are so well established as what they're about and their personalities that even if you didn't know who they were, you watched this movie, you could tell what the contrast is between them. But that just isn't as apparent between Damien and John. Surface level, you'll notice, yes, they both, um, you know, John's eager and Damien is eager. Mm -hmm. You'll notice that John has no friends and Damien has no friends. And that they both have these parents that they have trouble connecting with because of their issues. But the thing about all of those is they're not really that different from each other. And in isolation, it doesn't really make sense. Why don't we ever see John's friends in this movie? Mm, Where, yeah. Why doesn't he have friends? It makes complete sense why Damien doesn't. <laughs> the first thing he does when he meets a kid is push him off a ledge. But... <laughs> We don't have any kind of sense of why John is kind of this awkward kid. He, for all intents and purposes, you know, he's not great at baseball, sure. But besides that, he seems to be doing well in school. He's well-adjusted. He's taking care of chores. He's responsible. So it was kind of bizarre to me. And yeah, he has a birthday and no one shows up. There's no party. (laughs) Yeah, that is really weird. (laughs) Um. They kind of make it seem like he's homeschooled or like living with his parents for a minute before he actually goes to school. So and and by that, just not saying that, you know, if you're homeschooled, you're awkward. It just seems like he's very isolated from everybody else. Mm-hmm. So. To me, this kind of right segues into my RT alteration and why I didn't connect with the movie. I just needed more contrast of John's life. Mm-hmm. I would have framed it so that John is an athlete and he is popular and he maybe even make him sort of a jock kind of character. Um, Maybe he's even just a tiny bit of a bully to people, just a tiny bit. And then he gets these powers and he just kind of has to undo his whole life because he's like, oh, I can't wait to show up to my friends. But his dad's like, you can't have friends now. You can't. Mm. have you can't be and you can't do any more baseball that's all gone like he's excited to show off his powers but he d- can't have them yet yeah. like he his first scene is him accidentally activating his powers at an event on his birthday instead of him feeling isolated from his father now he's like oh i can i can't wait to do all these things and now he's being shut down he's being taken out of that life but he has the social skills so then when he meets Damien, he's, you know, he's excited because he has someone to show off his powers with. He's ex- he has his social circle might be expanding again, but Damien isn't kind of receptive to that because Damien's like, oh, you have you're a popular kid and now you're angsty because you have powers. Welcome to my life where I have all the abilities and I'm shoved in a a cave like I wish I could do what you do Mm -hmm. so just a little bit of contrast about what it means to have these powers 
Because you still get John, he can be excited about the powers, but he has to constantly remind himself that there is a responsibility to him that Damien knows, but he doesn't quite grasp yet and make that kind of the central focus. Because as it is, they're just two kids who want want to have powers and two of the same thing in a movie is a lot less interesting than two different things. Um, So I feel like all of that and just their dynamic is what kind of held back the movie for me from really connecting and really getting invested in the story. So do you also then have, just want to make sure I didn't steal it from you. Do you also have a numerical rating you want to give this movie? I I would say, I would say a six out of 10 for me. It's it's not unwatchable by any means. And I, I do think it is a weird movie because at some points, as one little other side note, some points it seems like it's meant for kids. Mm-hmm. At other points, when Starro is leaping out of people's faces and they're having seizures, I'm like, I think this is for supposed to be for us. So yeah. I think if you plop your kid in front of this and they're like teenager, you probably want them to be at least like early teens before they watch this because there's some genuinely disturbing imagery. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's a fine enough movie. But I think for an adult who we Superman and Lois has given us such sophisticated depictions of what it means to be Superman's sons. All -hmm. the other Batman movies have given us more sophisticated examples of what it means to be Batman's son and unpack that. They don't really do that in this movie. So as an adult, I think it's a six out of ten. Kids will enjoy it more, I bet. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Um, I'm actually going to switch it and say that I did think this was a little bit sweet um, because I think I think it's also first for me, I do like a duo kind of setup. I do mm-hmm. wish, as you mentioned, that they had a bit more of a contrasting ideology between the two of them because it does feel like Damien we got, it feels like he's very, in his ways, like he's, he's dark he he may kill you um but you know there's something that's there and it doesn't and for for um for jonathan you know he's a new kid just developed just realized he has superpowers doesn't understand that responsibility i don't yeah i agree that i don't think there's a moment in which we get that scene but i think the two of them do play well against each other in terms of just the fact that like hey we're the sons of these like larger than life heroes who are out here doing good. We don't understand quite yet what we're doing, but we're going to try. And I think that having Starro as their first thing probably was a bit too strong, but I think also given the fact of like how much Jonathan's powers were just uh, increasing at every single scene it was just like Mm -hmm. a lot of his power development just kind of like served as just like we need to figure a way for him to get out of this situation oh great now he has invulnerability oh great now he has heat vision oh great (laughs) now he has super speed and it it felt a lot like that so i could see why star was the ideal villain because it's like enough where it's not like he can go ahead and like give him a one-two combo and knock them out but at the same time, it's just like this is going to be kind of like a larger in life kind of feat. And I agree. I think we do need he did need some more scenes with like Jonathan's friends because it does seem like he's very disconnected to the world. 
But I think the things that made it sweet for me is just the fact that their dynamic is just fun. I think um, between the fact of like Jonathan continuously trying to try with his with like trying to connect with Damien, even though he hates him, uh, even though he's almost killed him a few times. <laughs> yeah. I think the more that they work alongside each other, the better their relationship gets. Um, and then the reason why also I felt like I'm actually going to give this movie like a seven is I had like three moments in which I just had to like deduct points for. I feel like a Hogwarts <laughs> headmaster. With this right now. Um, one is the first point deduction was because of the Krypton destruction opening. I yes. think... Yeah, we have seen it so many times. It's synonymous with the the Barry being struck by lightning, the um, you know, Shazam meeting the well, I guess not so much Shazam meeting the wizard, but rather Batman and the Pearls. We've seen this so often, we know the story so well that we can just infer that happened without it being seen. Um and Yeah, I mean the- sorry, just jump yeah. in real quick. I'm not exaggerating when I say that super that the Super Pets movie did more with that Krypton intro mm-hmm. than this movie did, and you know just considering don't go too long a tangent, but again considering we never get confirmation that the Starro that fell off the ship is the same Starro yeah. from Krypton, me also means that like that opening is completely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I that that's another thing I had an issue with too, because it was just like the focus too. It's just like it starts with Clark. It starts with the destruction of Krypton, goes into Clark, then it goes into Starro, and then we have to immediately jump into Jonathan. So we're gonna introduce like three different characters, all of which, yeah, they come up eventually, but we're banking on the fact that Jonathan's supposed to be the big one. So why are we seeing all of this, especially if we don't even know if the Starro is the same one that we're dealing with? Um, because, and it's something that I wish that we, they would change in this way, where it's just like, you know, again, chat GPT, Jorel, just, um, tell us that like, because in the movie he says that like, this is a creature I was studying. So again, we're expecting that this is the same one, but that doesn't seem likely. What would have been better is just like my human counterpart was researching a very similar creature. And mm-hmm. again, they do bring up, and this is why I brought up the ants in the beginning too, because it's like supposed to connect that way. So if there's multiple queen ants, why can't there be multiple sorrows in some way, shape, or form? Um, we know mm-hmm. that this is all part of a hive mind. How is it? Is it not possible for another sorrow to have grown in power when another one has passed? You know, the, these are questions that this movie starts to create because we're just, it's just stated that like, yeah, this is the same one, but how, how is that actually possible? So I think if we had gotten rid of that whole intro and just jump right into that stop motion comic sequence because then it would be nice to see Clark being raised by his parents and now he's raising his son and you see these very these scenes happening simultaneously. It that would have been nicer. Also, maybe yep. even have a scene in which like Batman and Robin are also included. And this may be because I'm projecting Father's Day mentality onto this, but you're calling this movie Battle of the Super Sons, but it feels more like. Batman and Superman introduces Superboy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is very unbalanced <laughs> in terms of the Batman because we we get very little interaction between Batman and Damien. You're right. Um, on screen, it's all lip service, mm-hmm. and part of it is because 
part of it is like assuming the audience knows uh this is Damien, and they also do not want to unpack how Damien gets there if they're using the traditional origin, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I get. But the problem is that that does shortchange Damien's journey and my investment in him because, yeah, he says, oh, yeah, my dad, my grandfather was an assassin. And, and but they mm-hmm. give a little too much of him so that you want to know more, but they never give you time to do so. Exactly. And, you know, and also with your point about saying, you know, villains, they wanted a big villain. I keep going back to Super Pets, I'm sorry. But you had a gerbil with uh, Kryptonite <laughs> taking out the entire Justice League and capturing them. So I do think, you know, heavy hitters like Mongol or um, or maybe not Lobo. Lobo would have killed them all. But <laughs> And, you know, Brainiac is too big. Right. But I think if you pull in a Superman villain, maybe Manchester Black, mm-hmm. uh, Toy Man would have been an interesting way to approach it mm-hmm. um, and kind of elevated one of them. So there's a personal beef, maybe something about fatherhood. Maybe Superman locks up somebody's son, you know, Icicle mm. Jr. And then Icicle comes after, you know, something like that to kind of bring it all full circle. Because Star really didn't have the theme of anything to do with father and son right. at all. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I felt like Starro is not not that Starro is becoming overused, but now it's. There's so there's a lot of been a lot of Star Wars stories recently in the last five, ten years. So now mm-hmm. I'm kind of ready for let's dig into some Mongol. Let's dig into some I I, I yeah, Toy Man. I want to see more Toy Man. He's done great justice in uh the static shock episode we watched and yeah and other media. Let's use him. Let's dig into that roster and find more angles, more people to to use, especially in movies where you get so much rich material. There's there's opportunities when you use a real human character instead of Star, who just is like, I want to take over the world. And I read a crime in South America first for yeah, some it's reason. Like, it now makes me just like, it, like, as we mentioned, do, do we, do we decide with Star or do we, you know, it, this, these are the questions that this is bringing up because we just keep again, seeing the same creatures, same villains in the same stories. Um, another villain I'm going to bring up real quick is the character design of Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. Uh, that's another reason why I had to deduct this movie. Point. <laughs> they look too much like um, just like players, honestly, because they had the open collars, the tight shirts. It just didn't really give me the vibe like they were fathers. It gave me more the vibe like they're like corporate <laughs> businessmen. They're daddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like it, it does not work. I'm I'm not looking for, especially because it was just like. Clark is doing a lot of the chores on the Kent farm dressed like in dress shirt and trousers. I don't think that's ever, that's not a good idea. Like the, he, first off, who was doing the laundry? Because if he gets that dirty in any way, shape or form, I'm pretty sure that Lois Lane is going to be like, no, you did this. You got to do it on your own. Um, And then also this is just like a slight, issue and just because I just this is another point deduction why I had to do is because I was on the fence about Superman's voice choice Uh, Mm -hmm. it is very deep and almost gravelly that you know as like I can see it as like a dad voice but it still felt a little too gruff Um, especially for somebody who you know like honestly it felt like Batman's voice was lighter than his and I would have expected the reverse 
mm-hmm. because of just their personalities and their demeanor. So as Superman is talking with John, like, yeah, you get that dad vibe, but then it also feels as if it's like a very strong and booming voice that I don't really get the sense of less like Clark Kent is a father. It's more like Clark Kent is a man operating within the corporate world and he has to make his voice known. And that is, again, this plays in part with like the character design. It just doesn't seem to fit as well as I thought it would. Um, No Mm. offense to Travis Willingham. It's just like, you know, because Travis has many voices in his repertoire. I think just like in this direction, it wasn't the best to go with. Yeah, and this is a, it was a Troy Baker as Batman, right? Yeah, Troy Baker as Batman. That he just wants to do both, I guess, Batman and Joker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Give him credit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, the rest of the movie did enjoy. Uh, I thought the Lex twist was actually pretty fun. Um, where, I mean, obviously, we're always, I'm going to keep on laughing about the fact that Lois Lane lit him up with uh, yeah. the hairspray in the match. Um, hairspray to rub it in, huh? <laughs> oh, Damn, damn, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, I did appreciate the moments in which, like, Batman Superman, like, the few very few moments in which Batman Superman did share that, like, the struggles of raising and connecting with their kids, especially in this part in the earlier parts of the movie, and how that, um, kind of changed later on, with, like, even like all of them going to Jonathan's game, connecting, becoming friends. So, yeah, um. Kind of sweet, but a seven out of ten for me. I think that's fair. I think this is one, one for the kids. You know, this is one for the the kids to watch with their their dads on, or you know, wh- whoever takes the place mm-hmm. of a father figure in their life, regardless of gender. And you know, uh, this is a good one to watch with them. Uh, mm-hmm. By your own, uh, watch Super Pets. Honestly, yeah. I just watch Super Pets, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to jump into some quick comic book knowledge, because I know that we've been wondering, like, who are the Super Sons? Um, Who is Jonathan Kent? How many kids does Superman and Batman actually have? Uh, Spoiler to that last question. I have lost the there are too many, too many kids for me to count on my fingers and toes. (laughs) (laughs) But I will talk about very quickly the Super Sons, um, because there isn't. There's a lot here, but also at the same time, um, I feel like because we've connected with Damian Wayne so often, especially in that first our first season of the show, uh, we want to make sure that Jonathan gets his flowers at some point. So with the Super Sons, uh, this was a team that was first created in World's Finest, number 215 in 1973 by Bob Handley and Dick Dillon. Uh, but this is actually not Damian and Jonathan at being the super sons here i was gonna say i don't think damien was around that long <laughs> <laughs> no this was clark kent jr and bruce wayne jr um they oh, were dragon ball gt rules yes <laughs> <laughs> so they were college age kids who were also operating as batman jr and superman jr uh they were introduced a couple times within different issues in the 60s but by 1973 that's when they actually adopted the team name of the super sons um they would continue on operating as this team until issue number 263 of world's finest comics when dennis o'neill is a very famous batman writer as we know 
uh, he decided to remove them from the continuity by stating that this was a computer simulation and Superman's Fortress of Solitude. Wow, he really didn't like them. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, so later on throughout time, um, many more of Batman and Superman's sons would actually pop up. Of course, we have characters like Superboy Prime. Um, I think Batman has had another one, another kid during the Kingdom Come storyline where she was a son or it might have been Helena Bernelli. Um, but again, many kids throughout time. But the most popular of all came out in 2017, written by a story by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, where we were introduced to the newer version of Super Sons, which is the team that we see here today of Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent. Um. They had a lot of adventures over the span of a couple of years. Think about until about uh, 20, uh, probably about like 2019 to 2020. So uh, they had a few issue runs, started out as a 12-part miniseries that expanded out. And some of their adventures included um, like their first one, which was taking down Kid Amazo, um, getting invited to be a part of the, the Teen Titans, but Damien disagreed with it because Jonathan was 10 years old at the time. Technically not a teen, as Damien would say. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite of all was that they would go on patrols and um, they would make sure to fight crime until 10 p.m. because by that point, that was when their curfew was. The Just the idea of Damien Wayne having a curfew is hilarious by itself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of the, you know, they, a lot of the stuff they had to t- tackle were like, apparently they were like class four category um, situ- emergencies. So basically, if it was something that the Justice League, the Teen Titans, and another group of ser- superheroes could actually avoid, they'll pass it on to one more team and then we'll go to the Super Sun. Yeah. <laughs> I, wait, I also have to ask real quick. The curfew thing is sticking with me. Does that mean that <laughs> for Damien's curfew... Is that like when he starts working for Batman? <laughs> like, I believe that's, so. That's his first shift of the night. <laughs> My man's playing in overtime right now. Is yeah. What and yeah, it's um, I wouldn't be surprised. This is this is probably why. Actually, he probably gives Damien a break. He's probably like that's why I probably saw in the beginning of the movie he was working on the Batmobile wheel. Uh, he was probably like, all right, you get like a 30, 30 minute break, but you got to still keep on doing work, um, eat your lunch and then hop on back out <laughs> to do work with me. Keep moving that mouse on the cursor at least once an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was um, kind of like our Super Sons intro here. Uh, so now just about Jonathan Kent, um, the origin of him, a.k.a. who I'm actually going to be calling today. The Gohan of the DC Universe. <laughs> so I very much appreciate that GT reference. <laughs> oh, it all. See, we we planned this. We planned this. Yeah. Uh, so again, there have been so many versions of Superman's kids. Air quotes on that. Uh, because but Jonathan Samuel Kent would end up being the most popular one. Um, he was first introduced in Conversion Superman number two back in 2015. Uh, so Jonathan Kent is the child of pre-crisis Superman and Lois. So prior to, I think it's just the crisis, the convergence crisis. It could also be the, uh, you know, crisis of infinite. There's just so many damn crises. <laughs> uh, so basically what happened was um, in this convergence storyline, which wrapped up a 
story uh, called a series called Earth Two, which if you have never read this before, please do. It is really great. It did wrap up many years ago, so you have many, many comics to read from about it. Um, it featured this version of Brainiac named Telos, who captured versions of Lois and Clark throughout time during his conquest of the multiverse. Uh, so what ended up happening was that in these cells where they were holding Superman and Lois, uh, there were power dampeners. So Lois and Clark were actually able to live a very full, normal, happy life during those years because Clark didn't have his abilities. He didn't have to go out and run out and save the day. And most importantly, he was able to conceive a child that wouldn't have any um, superpowers in that traditional sense. Because at one point in the 90s, when they did conceive a kid um, in one storyline, the baby had kicked so hard that it killed Lois. <laughs> writers come on <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should so fortunately it got better um so following the end of this this super family was able to break out and they found themselves in new 52 um in this new world they saw that there's already a superman and lois jonathan didn't exist because at that point we're dealing with the superman that was messing around with Wonder Woman, as we saw throughout the whole DCAMU story arc. So they weren't married. They didn't have kids. I don't think even at that point they even knew each other that mo that they were together in that sense. Um, so because Superman was already there, and because Lois Lane was already there, our alternate versions of the two with their family decided, you know, we're just going to stay out of the limelight. We're not even going to try to be heroes. We're not going to be reporters. We're just going to live a normal life in like Hamilton, uh, not the Broadway show. There's actually a place called Hamilton in, in the DC universe. So they have this great life. But then um, even at that point, Jonathan still didn't even know that his father was Superman. That was until the new 52 Superman died following the events of uh, Apocalypse War and him getting all those abilities that was just degrading his body. So he ended up dying between the stages of New 52 into Rebirth. And our new Superman, our alternate Superman, I mean, he decided upon hearing the death of the New 52 Superman, he decided that the world still needed somebody. So he donned his costume once again. And this is when finally things had to be revealed of like, he is Superman, Jonathan learned all of this. And... Things happened, you know, obviously I'm not going to go into the story arc about how Superman became had to fight for his identity. Um, mm. So John will continue his his adventures, uh, especially after he he and his mother were kidnapped by Bruno Mannheim. Shout out to uh, Superman Lois, who's doing some great job with that character right now. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing work. So. In that kidnapping, Jonathan developed powers. He developed heat vision. Um, and similar to the movie, Superman decides to take Jonathan over to, I think this time around, he actually took him to the Fortress of Solitude, but he still made sure to get him tested by Batman. <laughs> it's good to have a second opinion. Exactly. So this is where it's revealed that... Um, Jonathan is still going to continue, possibly still going to continue developing powers. It is shocking that he was developing them so late. But once he, once they figured it out, they realized that his Kryptonian DNA 
being tied to his human DNA is going to lead him into becoming the strongest Kryptonian there ever was. Oh. So here's our little Gohan coming <laughs> up. Um, so now, again, Jonathan was first introduced in the comics in 2015 in Convergence Superman number two. And over the last eight years, he has had such a crazy story because of that. Um, so because of eight years, I'm going to give a quick cliff note version of it. Um, so the first thing that happened was Jonathan got attacked by uh, Mr. Mixapithelix. I believe mm-hmm. that's how you would say his name. He, he tried to erase Jonathan from reality. Uh, fortunately, though, Superman and Lois, Lois forgot that he existed at one point, but Superman fought to make sure that he didn't. So in this alternate reality, when they were finally able to find Jonathan, they saw that he was being protected by these like ethereal beings. And they found out that these beings were actually older versions of Superman and Lois that grew up, that had their relationship. But because of the fact that they didn't have the power dampers and all that in Superman, um, you know, I, again, PG-13 on this, but he couldn't be with Lois in that traditional sense. Um, they couldn't have kids of their own because of the fact that, unfortunately, Kryptonian and human DNA didn't mix that well. So they, the newer versions of Superman and Lois decided, join Mind Meld with us and become one with us so that you have the opportunity to have all those memories of Jonathan growing up with you. Plus we get all the memories of like Superman past because basically what happened was nobody liked the new 52 Superman. And because rebirth was kind of like getting closer to like a version of Superman that we actually liked, um, they were like, let's bring in all the great older, older versions of Superman and Lois and, um, they just basically retcon Superman's history. Comics are crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now this new story led to Jonathan being born after his father was killed by Doomsday and he came and Superman came back. Um, there's some other great moments in which he got lost at one. Jonathan got lost at one point uh, after developing his powers and he found himself in a cave where Batman and Nightwing found him and they were trying to get him out he was scared to connect with batman because obviously batman does not have any i guess like proper empathetic skills <laughs> but nightwing was able to connect with him and to get him out offering him some candy um and this led into yeah it was weird real, real sus real <laughs> sus nightwing <laughs> it was in batman's futility belt that was the other part mm. so <laughs> well batman's prepared for any situation so i'll, I'll let that go <laughs> <laughs> but this led into um nightwing and superboy kind of building a relationship to the point where superboy kind of always idolized dick grayson which creates for which we'll talk. I'm going to talk about in more depth in our um, Nightwing full episode for our Young Justice series. It created a nice full circle moment for um, Dick Grayson and Kryptonians. Uh, next up, the next thing we have was that his full powers are actually been suppressed this entire time by Manchester Black, um, and that's why. And that was discovered when Batman, upon bringing back the test, said, "Hey, his results show that he should have developed all of his powers by now." So something external is happening. 
And in a battle, this is when Manchester Black lost, and this is when uh, Superboy finally got the ability to fly. Look, Rapping, I, I, I just, I'm just saying, I don't envy com- comics writers for having to go back and justify <laughs> things all the time. You guys are the real heroes. <laughs> Next up, um, his time-displaced grandfather, Jarrell. Yes, that All is right. <laughs> not Chad GPT Jarrell. The real deal would come back under the identity of Mr. Oz. And upon getting his like wits about him to be calmer and all that, he asked to take Jonathan with him to explore the galaxy and to learn more. Uh this was a tough decision, but ultimately Superman and Lois decided to go forward with it. And it was a bad thing that they did because immediately after him being taken away, the two of them fall into a black hole where they get trapped on Earth-3. And Earth-3, as we know, in the New 52 moving on universe is the world of the crime syndicate, the evil versions of our Justice League, where Ultraman kept them hostage in a volcano for three years or so Oh, sorry, for like five, five or yeah, five or six years. Um, so when Jonathan and Jarrell finally broke free, uh, Jonathan had at this point had already aged up to the age of 16 or 17. But when he returned to Earth, only three weeks had passed. Well, he's gonna, gonna be really confused at school, you know. <laughs> and just to wrap it all up, right now, um, because of the age difference that's happening, the Super Sons team up doesn't really happen anymore so that story is done um because john is now the superman of earth um after his father Kalel clark decided to go on a mission to war world to stop mongol in some way so john l is sorry john jonathan kent is now taking care of it all um and another big point in his story is that um right comic writer tom taylor made a decision to move forward with no longer having a straight white male savior. So John is now one of the most powerful members of the DC universe as also a member of the LGBTQ community. Lot to take in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, just because of the whole multiple lives and supermens and <laughs> mind melding with your past self. <laughs> I get it. So you don't like Superboy anymore. I get it. <laughs> yeah but uh superboy is no longer he is now full-on superman um he is on his own journeys he is saving the world uh it's nice to see that he has grown unfortunately he did have to leave his good friend behind and by which we mean damien uh there's a fun little scene in which damien is quite upset that uh superboy has aged up mainly because it now means that he's taller than him <laughs> you'll catch up one day damien yeah. <laughs> Unless it's Super Sun's biology, and then no, you won't. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up um Super Sons and the story of Jonathan Kent. So we're gonna just gonna end this episode here because I can see Calendar Man off in the distance. He has his baseball glove. Demand- looks like he's demanding for a, a round of baseball or a game of catch with us. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately we don't have Jonathan's superpowers, so we can't just knock him out. And cheat. <laughs> well, with that, uh, once again, wishing all the dads out there, whether you, again, whether you're, uh, however you, however you're standing up and send send aside time with your kids, um, wishing you all a happy Father's Day. Um, enjoy it to the fullest. 
Take care of yourselves. And remember, please, for the love of God, milk your cows. Yes. And if you get possessed by a sorrow and try to chase after these kids, I hope you can swim. <laughs> Otherwise, you're dead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC animated podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.